the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Hey, welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. We're at episode 460. I'm your host, Paul Spain, and today we welcome Josh Webb to the studio. Josh, how are you? Very well, thanks, Paul. Great to be here, man, uh, and good to see you after all this time. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a, a good uh, good block of time. Um, we've we've caught up in a few few different places. Um, yeah, New, I, New York I... was the most memorable for me. Yeah, 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 yeah uh, exactly. Um, but I, th- I feel like the last time I lived in Auckland, which was about eleven or twelve years ago now, I still remember coming into the old Gorilla office, and um, so this is all new to me, even though it's very old to you. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, well, welcome, welcome to the podcast, New Zealand Studio, and uh, oh, look, some interesting things to talk about today. Um, but first off, a little thank you to our partners who are making the New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, possible as we work through a, a reboot and a refresh of the show. Uh, so, welcome and thank you to uh, Spark New Zealand, uh, HP, Vodafone New Zealand. Sumo Logic and Vocus. Uh, so, yeah, it's really their their help that um, is allowing us to uh, to to refresh and to, um, brighten up the show a little bit. So you'll be you'll be noticing new uh, new things coming to the New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, over over the coming episodes. Uh, and we have a new tagline for the show as well, which is the NZ Tech Podcast. The voice of the tech community. So, how does that sound, Josh? Ooh, I like it. <laughs> so, I get the, to be the voice today. Yes, and have to represent the tech community. That's in it. A way. That's it. Okay. Yes. Yes. So, um, but great to have your voice. And maybe you can. I mean, there's there's probably a lot of background in terms of um, all the things that you you've did in the states. Uh, but maybe fill listeners in on where you are now. What is your what is your current uh, place in the tech community in New Zealand? Who are you working with? So I'm currently the Chief Product and Technology Officer for Flick Electric. We're based down in Wellington. Uh, we're a, a small but growing power retailer, if you haven't heard of Flick. And uh, I've, I've started there in the last few months after moving back to New Zealand um, a, around a year ago. Um, and I'd, been, I'd spent before that about 10 years over in the States and a little bit in Hong Kong and, and um, yeah, so a big move home after quite a long time. But you worked found, with some pretty interesting uh, companies over that period, right? So I had, uh, I had a good time. I, I lived in New York and I worked in the media industry, spent time with uh, both CNN International and Viacom, uh, primarily in the, in the MTV Space, so media industry. Uh, spent a bit of time out in Silicon Valley working in the artificial intelligence industry for a few years. And um, yeah, sort of eventually said, you know, time to head home and what's next? What am I going to do? And in fact, I think the first time I came over here looking around at what's going on in New Zealand, I caught up with you and said, what's going on in tech in New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, because, yeah. you know, you're one of the hubs. Maybe you are the hub. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, it's um, look. I, you know, I think w- certainly the goal for the show as we move move forward is to um, you know be be serving serving the tech community more and more. And you know, I think for me, I'm interested in how do we make New Zealand more successful. And you know, the smarter we get at utilising and leveraging technology, uh, the better that we should be able to do as a as a nation in many regards. Obviously, there's you know there's a bit more to it than that, but uh, you know if we can we can get these things right, uh, be exporting and so on, then uh, you know that that all flows back well. And, you know when I look at companies like uh, Flick who are you know doing innovative things, you know I guess my hope is always that you know that the um, what they do here in the local market then builds into something and allows them to grow out to be uh, you know global players over over time so um, you know yeah that's that's definitely one of the things that attracted me to flick and one of the things when i came back to new zealand i was i went hmm i'm coming back to a small market and i've been working in you know huge brands making big impacts and in to huge numbers of people what am i going to do when i get home and I, I thought about it and I had a somewhat of a, you know, uh, what am I going to do moment. And where I sort of settled after all that was working on a, on a disruptive, you know, small company here in New Zealand. We, ca- we have the opportunity to demonstrate leadership and demonstrate how to do things differently and move rapidly and test things in, in a small market. And, you know, I really believe that that gives us a, an opportunity for the rest of the world to look at us just as, you know, I, I believe, you know, we look at countries like Singapore and go, wow, they're amazing at, at dealing with garbage. And we look at Sweden and go, they're amazing at adopting EVs. And we could be looking at New Zealand and going, wow, they're amazing at how to do, you know, electricity in a, in a new disruptive and, um, you know, uh, in such a way that uh, it benefits the world and the environment and reduces energy poverty, and those are some of the you know the big parts of our mission at Flick. That's cool. That's cool. Mm. Well, you know, I certainly uh, keen to hear uh, you know, a, a little bit more as we, um, you know maybe later on in the show around what's you know what what Flick's up to. Um, but f- first up, I guess the the big the big news this week is from Apple. No, actually, it's not from Apple. Um, it's from it's from the company that has sort of a, achieved um, uh, something in, in in Apple's I don't know Apple's shadow. Um, I want to talk about Microsoft. So you know, for many years we always looked at Apple as releasing and and bringing out the the um, you know the best designed hardware in the world. And look, I've um, we will talk a little bit in the show. I think about. Some of Apple's newest with the iPhone 11 Pro and the Apple Watch uh, Series 5, uh, which I've been using, which is look, they continue to deliver some some really good uh, hardware, and of course, where they've had that benefit is that they can control the hardware, the software, and the services, and have that complete uh, ecosystem. Microsoft had this challenge where they were beholden to other parties to make their software look good in terms of hardware and eventually they decided we don't want to be beholden to those players to uh, to you know deliver the latest and greatest and the way it all lined up with uh, with the surface uh, products is 
ultimately they've uh, you know they they have caused a level of disruption and they've built uh, I guess you couldn't call it a small business but in the in the scheme of uh, you know hardware it is at the smaller uh, end of the scale for the scale of business that Microsoft is I think you know when I've looked at the figures for what uh, what Microsoft sell or, or what they generate in terms of um, re- the uh, the sales for the surface lineup it, it, it tends to sort of sit around a billion US dollars a quarter you know to maybe I don't know 1.4 or something somewhere in that sort of range so you know in the scheme of it it's uh, um, you know over over um, you know, four or five um, billion New Zealand dollars, that's for sure, on, on an annual basis. It's not a tiny business, uh, but they are just one of many who are, who are selling Windows-based devices. Um, but when we, when we look at that Surface uh, Pro product range, which is, is, has been where their biggest success is, they've had their Surface Laptop, which has carved out, a, I think, a very small slice of the, uh, of the market for laptops, and the Surface Book, with a, certainly a bigger, bigger share than the Surface Laptop, uh, it still comes back to that Surface, Surface Pro uh, product, which is, is really a, a tablet that can run full Windows, and then the, uh, the magnetic keyboard uh, that, that attaches to it. That has really created the market for them, and I guess when you when you look around products from HP, Lenovo, and even Apple with the iPad Pro, you can see the inspiration that the Surface uh, you know product has had there. Um, Josh, you, have you used uh, Surface at all? Yeah, I've had a couple of different Surfaces actually yep. in, in my last decade or so, and I yeah, think yeah. the first one I got was one of their early ones that had the, you know the coloured back. Yep. And um, it was the first, you know, sort of laptop-like device that I'd had with a touchscreen. Yeah, yeah. And I got quite used to the touchscreen paradigm and, and, you know, I think what they really proved was that, you know, that can work and how to make it work well. Uh, and then over the next few years, it just sort of got better and better. And now I find myself quite often tapping on t- tap on uh, laptop screens and they're, they're not touchable. And obviously... Apple doesn't really do touchable laptop screens outside of, you know, the um, the iPads. Um, so that's that's a that almost a rift that has opened up in the the UX paradigms that we, you know, we interact with this technology around. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. I um, I wa- yeah I, I w- walked into a uh, a, p- a particular uh, firm recently and. They uh, they are a technology brand, shall we say, that sells devices that are both touchscreen and non-touchscreen. And they wanted me to sign in. And so I walked up to the sign-in. There was a screen there, so I touched on the screen. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, that's a Mac. That doesn't work. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but of course, Apple have you know have just gone through, and you know on their side they've launched iPad OS, and the iPad and iPad Pro uh, are now uh, you know very very much uh, you know computing devices that are um, you know 
closer to a laptop than I guess they've ever, they've ever been before. Put it that way. Uh, but on the on the Microsoft front, um, you know, we we knew from you know leaks that they were you know definitely had this new uh, Surface laptop coming and a Surface Pro coming. What we didn't know was all of the details on the new stuff, although it you know had been rumored that was you know that was brand new. And so Microsoft showed off uh, three quite new products. One. Uh, really just a refresh of the Surface Pro line, which is a Surface Pro X, and they take a very similar form factor, uh, but they grow that screen from, I think, a 12.1-inch to a third, about a 13-inch display. Uh, it goes to an ARM-based processor, which Microsoft have sort of dabbled with in the past, uh, but able to run most uh, Windows uh, applications through emulation uh, capabilities, uh, but that that device to me is a, is an interesting one. I you know look look forward to actually uh, you know trying it out and seeing how it performs. But it seems like uh, Microsoft are, are working really hard right now to make a whole mix of hardware work with Windows. And not just work in a clunky sort of way, which I guess is what's happened in the past. With, for instance, they had the Surface RT that was was ARM based, and and ran that uh, variation of Windows called Windows RT, which basically wasn't able to run most most applications. So it was it was not a uh, a great experience if you wanted to be able to do all of the sort of stuff you're used to doing on a on a Windows uh, based machine. Um, interestingly, alongside that Surface Pro X, they've got the Surface Pro Seven, which has the the latest gen uh, generation of chips from Intel. Uh, used to work for Intel once, didn't you? That'd be going back a few years. Well, I was once the Intel um, marketing department for New Zealand, yeah, and uh, that was a very long time ago. <laughs> yeah. uh, actually. Came back and worked with them more recently, though. So um, we became, uh, when I was at Viacom in the US, we right. were quite a close partner with them and developed a lot of interesting interactive and branded content to help take their technology. And at, that, at that point in time, it was the Ultrabook that was the big thing. Yes. Uh, and taken into new markets where they were you know, trying to, to penetrate. Um, so obviously with MTV audience, it's that sort of millennial generation. It's the K-pop people it's the you know all of the different um subgenres so that was quite an interesting experience coming back to intel mm. well it, i mean it, 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 intel have sort of really been have been through some ups and downs i think you know i think it's fair to say and and they've they've faced this sort of headwind with amd now starting to deliver some some pretty impressive you know performance and and their uh, Ryzen chips, and then you've got the ARM chips which you know we're used to from from you know all our smartphones and our and our tablets being ARM based, and you know, Microsoft have been working away with ARM to try and deliver uh, some yeah. some level of competition to what Intel can do. So I'm I'm very interested to see how that actually will you know will play out the idea of any sort of degradation of experience 
potentially is is going to be unhelpful for um, for that partnership. But you know, we'll we'll see how it plays out this time round. I mean, certainly Microsoft keep trying, and the Surface Pro X, uh, you know, includes you, you know new new chips and new new silicon that uh, you know is designed specifically for for this purpose of uh, you know d- delivering a Surface Pro um, device that. Uh, you know, can can perform at a at a good level, yeah. uh, and of course, being ARM based, it's going to be pretty good on the uh, on the battery front. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting to see a sort of a, a little bit of move back towards pr- developing proprietary processing power, right? And yes, a few yes. others doing it. Yeah, um, you get Google doing its TPUs in the in the, um, the AI space. You've got. You got Microsoft now doing it. Um, by the way, um, just built my first PC in about seven or eight years, hey. um, and ended up going with an Intel uh, ninety nine hundred because yes, yeah. hey, it was my brand, right? It was yeah. it, that was life for me. But actually, the Ryzen's are so competitive with it now that it's a tough choice. It is, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And and I think that's that's good for everyone, right? And we're I think we're already seeing with these you know tenth gen uh, uh, chips coming through from Intel that Intel seem to be you know have worked really hard to you know pull out the stops and and you know you'll have a huge variety of options from the you know the very low power, very long battery life. Uh, I saw something through from HP today, and I haven't seen the device. I'll see it tomorrow. Uh, they um, one of their X360 uh, two-in-ones or laptops, uh, which was listed with a, a battery life of 22, 22 hours. Um, and you know, I saw the Dragonfly, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago. The, the new product, which has got a sixteen and a twenty-four hour battery life uh, option. So yeah, you've got those, and then you've got you know very very high performance type options as well. So it's going to be, uh, I think, it's going to be interesting over the next uh, next few years how how um, things sort of accelerate when there's so much competition. And everybody seems to be doing a, um, yeah, a, pr- a pretty impressive job in terms of what they're delivering as well. In, uh, look, I feel like, and I'd like to know what your take on this is, you know, in a lot of ways, in the last two, three, four years or so, we've started just getting these very diminishing levels of, of return for, you know, more processing power. It doesn't actually do much for people because we don't need to process that much more than we already can, right? So the question is always, well, what else can I do? What's the next big thing? And, and one of the things I actually... I um, was working with a sort of a, I don't know if you like, a Skunk Works Intel project at one point a few years ago, and, mm. and um, it was about how do we drive the need for more mobile processing power, right? And how do we drive it? Well, the answer was we go out and build apps that are super power hungry so that people want the more powerful version of our mobile processors. And how do we do that? We go and buy companies that are doing these apps and tell them to do it at a higher refresh rate and more resolution and just more things, and that's the strategy. And it's interesting, right? Like that's yeah, just, yeah, They have to yeah. drive more need yeah, because it's yeah. not actually there. Yeah. Well, I, I think there are some natural things that are, that are, that are starting to take place. So you know, the last few weeks I've been doing you know, a lot of uh, video. Uh, you know, I've got the new Tesla in the last few weeks. So I'm going to catch video of that. Um, the new iPhone uh, 11 Pro 
you know, you've got lovely cameras in there. I've been uh, testing out the new uh, GoPro 8 over, over the last few weeks as well. And then what I'm thinking about as well, part of where we want to go with the New Zealand Tech Podcast is to give people that New Zealand perspective on, you know, on these new technologies. And so, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd like us to be able to have more video content. And we haven't had so much other than the full episodes, which we which we tend to stream out onto uh, onto Facebook Live. Uh, and even with those, it's mostly been talking heads rather than incorporating other um, other video elements. So I've been looking at that and. I keep coming back to uh, video editing on the fly on mobile devices as being something that's that's very attractive to me. If you can work out a very simple workflow that you can just do through a mobile device, often the the unnecessary elements sort of get get left behind in terms of capabilities. So it's you know how can I how can I take a bit of video and quite quickly put it together, ideally on a mobile device, partly because it's not cluttered with all of the other options, partly because the video usually goes straight on there. You know, GoPro can synchronise straight onto the mobile device very easily. I don't have to be anywhere near uh, a laptop and so on. Um, so there's that element. And then, you know, in our, in our studio, of course, we're, we're wanting the high level of performance of, well, you know, in an ideal world, we'd have a whole lot, of, you know, a whole pile of 4K, uh, you know, streams from half a dozen cameras and we could pick all the best bits but actually that puts too much you know too much load on a on a typical uh, system to have that many live streams uh, mm. you know coming in so um, yeah there there are varying constraints there so you know for me I'm seeing the you know the video side is uh, yeah. is probably probably where it's pushing it so and, now that you mentioned that Paul yeah. uh, you know a few years ago when I was off on on one of my random journeys I yeah. was off in Europe doing some volunteer work and um, I actually got quite into mobile video editing. Yeah, I remember you while. sharing some of it. Yeah, and um, so I started doing it with. I think Adobe has a has an offering, and there's a couple of others. Yeah, um, and uh, you know, doing a lot of editing, and it was very slow and clunky. And then, but also in my in my spare time, I was just sort of shooting random things on my um, you know Android device. Yeah, and one day. Around about that time, it's when Google started doing their, hey, we made you a cool thing. That's right. Uh, and I started getting these, these things and going, wow, all that stuff that was just sort of pushed up into the cloud was all edited for me. And all this work I've been doing on you know, my device is just seems pitiful compared to what Google just did when I wasn't even awake. Yes, yeah. Yeah, the AI just threw a few bits and pieces so together and fired it back at It's you. like get off the device into the cloud and everything is happy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and we've you know we've seen elements of that that give, yeah will give you more more control. Uh, I I guess yeah in an ideal world, yeah your whatever device would be powerful enough to do absolutely everything, but that's that's not always the case. I think we also have constraints. It's not just around the processing power. It's you know how quick is the storage? You know discs themselves just. You know, completely fell behind in terms of you know meeting matching up with Moore's law. We were you know we were seeing just you know that exponential increase in, in performance. Discs weren't playing, you know, weren't playing that. Our processors were getting faster, but our discs weren't getting much faster. And that's you know mostly to be addressed with uh, with SS with SSDs. Uh, memory itself, I guess, has got faster, but you know not not at quite the same uh, pace, but. Uh, yeah, I think there's there's 
still some room for processes, and and we'll you know we'll see how that uh, how that progresses. But we do seem to be in a in a good place, ready for a good uh, a good punch up uh, between you know, between the between the parties. And yeah, I think it's actually really cool that Microsoft have have sort of taken this approach where with their new Surface products, their you know they're still keeping in, Intel, um, you know, the, the Surface Pro Seven, uh, the Surface Pro Laptop Three is um, pr- primarily um, AM, AMD based, but I think they might also be launching a variation on that that's uh, Intel based for uh, for businesses. I did read, read something down that track. I think that related to the Surface Laptop Three, um, but the, yeah, then the Pro X, which is AMD based, and then the two just completely new devices, the Surface Duo, which is just dual screen foldable smartphone, two five five point six inch uh, displays. And it's going to run Android, but it's not out for maybe another year or so. They're talking late 2020, alongside the Surface Neo, which is also a dual screen uh, folding device, but much bigger with you know dual nine inch displays. So uh, you know, really a, a, a full blown you know, tablet device that when you fold those, you know, you fold the screens out separately, uh, it can form some sort of a uh, a laptop or if you know you flatten it then I guess you, you've got a combined 13 inch screen size uh, a fascinating device and they're talking about a whole new version of Windows or a, a variation on Windows that tweaked for that device and I guess maybe this you know it's all just down to marketing but what they're calling Windows uh, Windows 10x but still around a, a year away but I mean it seems like a really big deal that then there now will be a Surface phone that was rumoured for for many many years, but it doesn't run Windows uh, because you know Mi- Microsoft have got to that point in their understanding of knowing that people don't want Windows on a smartphone because the apps just aren't there for you know for Windows. I mean they, they came to that conclusion you know what two or three years ago, and so all the Windows phones got uh, got killed off. Um, but I'm I'm sure you know many still would be uh, somewhat shocked uh, to see Microsoft cozying so closely up to uh, up to Google as to uh, launch an Android uh, phone. Just shows you how far Google's come, doesn't it? So well, looking Microsoft at that, um, that the uh, the Duo device, yeah, that was yeah. The, that was the one of the of the promo videos that I just kind of put, took a bit more attention in. Yeah, because yeah. it's um, you know not just well, that's interesting. They're they're going with an Android choice, but it's a wow. That's interesting because I haven't used a device like that ever, and I don't think we've sort of seen one, right? And my first gut reaction was, I don't want that thing. Why would I want two phones stuck together with a hinge? That doesn't make any sense. But then, as soon as it, uh, in their promo video they they mention multitasking, I suddenly went, oh yeah, like one of the biggest problems in my mobile life is cutting and pasting stuff between different apps and moving it around and, and actually it starts to make a bit more sense in that context. Yeah, I, I mean, f- for me, more and more, mobile is, you know, is becoming increasingly important device because it's the thing you've got with you all the time, right? And, you know, we, we shoot video on it, we take photos, we mm. do emails, we do, yeah, just about anything, video editing, what have you, but... Mm. 
there there is there yeah, there is something that's that's still you know not quite congruent with it being a you know a full blown work device. Obviously, you know size is is part of that. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I'll I'll um, certainly find, and I move from you know device to device, so you know I tend to be trying out one Android device alongside whatever you know one of the newest Android devices alongside whatever is, is newest on the on the Apple side. And look, you know, most of the apps you know run reasonably consistently on on either side now. Things things work pretty well. Uh, but still, yeah, I'll, I'll have a problem. A phone call comes in, and then I'm wanting to look something up, and maybe I don't have the Bluetooth headphones. So oh, I'll tap that onto speaker, and then I'm <laughs> flipping out trying to find what it is that I want to refer to or, uh, or or look up. So yeah, I think that you know there, there's there is a need there. What I don't know is how close Microsoft are to delivering something that is really useful. I guess when we look back at the Surface Pro, that has had quite a big impact on you know on the technology industry because uh, basically everybody's jumped on board with that trend of a mm-hmm. tablet with a magnetically a- attached uh, you know keyboard you know all the way through uh, to Apple. So it was not you know it wasn't just a Windows phenomenon. Uh, you know, really really has had a had a big impact. Um, and then we've got these folding phones that Samsung, Huawei, and others have shown off, which you know just seem bizarre and you know don't don't seem that great. They seem clunky, uh, don't seem as though they're strong. And then Microsoft have got the slight variation where it's actually two screens, but they're going to be solid behind glass, not some flimsy sort of plastic display. And and it does leave me wondering, you know. Are they are they are they hitting on something here? Um, I, I I don't know. Microsoft have certainly had their fair share of fails in the past, but the Surface team generally seems to deliver product that people want. So I'm I'd, I'd love know. to have a play with it yeah. and reserve judgment <laughs> yeah. until that point. Um, personally, I I don't know if I'm holding out a lot of hope for that style yeah. of device yeah. and you know i might just wait for that little trend to to die out and you know what's next uh, you know do our phones just become our glasses right hopefully that comes sooner rather than later because i'd much well, rather it's all right for you and me not to wear hold glasses. anything at all yeah that's true <laughs> um so yeah i mean, I mean the, the the other aspect about both the surface duo and the surface neo which um, you know, actually does run run Windows or a slight variation thereof. Is this late twenty twenty launch date? What on earth is going on? I mean, when does a, a tech company announce a product that that's so far away? It, especially when they've shown off videos of what it looks like. Are they either a they just really have no idea what they're going to do, what they're doing, and it genuinely is going to take them over a year potentially to finish off these products and when a tech company gives you a launch date and we say late 2020 i mean we've heard this before right and the launch day is 31st of december 2020 or oh sorry we slipped a little bit and it you know oh well by the time we get into the new zealand market that's going to be you know mid 2021 um you know I'm, i mean i'm using some extremes but we've you know we've had examples of this sort of thing uh before 
are they have they still got a whole lot to figure out? Are they hoping this will inspire some other devices, which I'm not sure what would necessarily be the point of that. I mean, it's very unusual for a firm to you know, lay out what's coming when it's that far away, because if there is anything amazing that you've shown off, that, that's, mm. there's probably more than enough time for, for you know, others to uh, uh, mimic it or, or maybe even one-up it and deliver something that's, that's even better if you're onto any sort of a good idea. It seems like they did actually give a fair you know, view of what this thing is. It wasn't just a, a teaser. In the way, because the only other example I can think of is Magic Leap announced their product. You know, years before we even saw anything. Yeah. But it was always just this mystical thing until we finally saw something. In this case, it's it's sort of a case of we've made this thing, but you can't have it for a, a couple of years. Tough luck. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's going to be cool. So you, I think you're right, though. Maybe um, there's just a lot more testing to do on a new kind of device and understanding how real users uh, respond to it and that's uh, you know I know how much work that can be mm. um, even just in a simple piece of software so I'm sure the true significant yeah. piece of hardware yeah um, is yeah. there such a word as vapor hardware yeah vapor well, it can still fall under vapor the vapor vaporware uh, vaporware yeah that, that, that category that we've used for software the other thing is is maybe they're 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 just trying to um, under promise and over deliver mm. and you know, they they built hardware that they can you know show off in videos and so on. Um, look, maybe we will actually end up seeing it a, a little bit uh, a little bit earlier, but it um, it wouldn't be very normal for that to happen. So we'll, we'll wait and see. Um, the nice thing we're seeing is all of these things seem to be uh, USB C. So we're now moving into that world where Microsoft are sort of catching up because they're. Uh, their Surface Laptop 2 and their Surface Pro 6 didn't have USB-C, which which seemed odd. The other thing about the announcements, no new Surface Book. Where's the Surface Book 3? So you know, I guess they've decided to hold that one back for one, one reason uh, or another. Um, I've been using a, a review device from Microsoft, a Surface uh, Book 2 15-inch screen, um, quite extensively actually over recent months. And a really nice device, and it had what the others were missing in terms of that USB-C port to make, you know, docking just so easy, docking and charging and so on. You don't need some sort of proprietary charger or proprietary cable to do uh, anything. So we're we're going to have this sort of sweep into offices around the uh, the country. I think of um, you know either um, which there has been to a degree, you know, docks being put in onto existing monitors that are USB-C based. Uh, but I, you know, I think the the USB C monitor is becoming even more uh, more popular. As I mean, I, I guess you could say Surface are, are probably about the last to actually uh, finally catch up on that USB C front because HP and and Lenovo and uh, Dell and, and and so on have you know been doing doing this for uh, for, for quite some time. And uh, yeah, Microsoft only had this the Surface Book Two sort of in that category. Standardization is the dream, and thank you everybody who's adopting USB-C as a standard because I think it's a good one to adopt. I think, Paul, I had the first USB-C mobile device that came out, which was the Google Pixel 1 or 2, I forget which one. Right. And at the time, nobody had seen it and I couldn't borrow anyone's charger. Yeah, yeah. And now I'm sort of, it's reached the point where I feel that it's become almost the 
the the de facto standard for most people's mobile phones that I know, mm. as long as they don't use Apple. Yeah. Wah, yeah. Wah. <laughs> well, um, on that front, though, you can use your MacBook charger to charge your, you know, your USB C uh, phone and so on. So there, there is a level of crossover, and of course, you know, the, uh, um, you know, iPad uh, Pro being USB C um, based, and then um, this the new the new iPad. Is that I'm trying to remember whether that I don't think that's. Uh, I don't think that's uh, USB C, mm. um, is it? Hmm. I, I'm not sure. Actually, I need to. Uh, I need to double check that. But I. I don't. I don't think so. I think that's uh, that's still um, that's still Lightning Collector. Let, let me double check. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, no. Not. Uh, they're not there just yet, but getting, we're, we're slowly getting, seeing things move move in that di- that direction. Uh, I guess with you know with the i with the iPhone because we've the last uh, last few generations have also been wireless charging. The Lightning connector thing will become less of an issue if they are to flip to USB C in the future, and also people have so many other things that are USB C, it won't be. Yeah, it won't be too much of an issue, but there will always be the odd accessory that that people have a little, um, you know, bedside uh, clock radio type thing, <laughs> those types of things that used to, uh, or little speakers that you would uh, charge your charge your phone on. Um, yeah, and and there's there's a there's a graveyard of those things. Just there's actually one in my cupboard at home in Wellington right now. You know, I think it's five years old and it's yeah. completely redundant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, my, Paul, my biggest issue with wireless charging is that I love these pop sockets have you got one of those oh this goes on the back of your uh, back of your phone goes on the back of your phone and it just it's this is probably one of the most game changing things I've ever purchased in my life cost me about five dollars US it sticks out of your phone makes it huge sticks out but you can pop it away oh I see I see so it's just a little handle and when you're taking photos or holding your phone or Ah, making a call there's no chance of you dropping it that's brilliant but it adds you know quarter to a half inch of space on the back of your phone so I can't wirelessly you charge can't even if I want to charge ah. so there's uh, trade-offs all over the place mm. what if I, I wonder if you moved that and it wouldn't work so well but if you moved it to one extremity or the other you might be able to hang your phone off I mean I'm thinking in some scenarios depends on the charger um, I've got the wireless charger set up in the in the Tesla Model 3 and I can drop you know, both of my current phones in there and they just charge but they wouldn't with that um, what do you call it pop socket well this is called a pop socket there's also you can buy all sorts of other various dongles if you go to the the, the phone stores but mm. this is the uh, I think the best one these are made in Boulder Colorado which is where I was living for a while and hence I, my one's got the Colorado flag on it right you can customize them and put your own picture on the back of it yeah so anyway I'm, I'm not affiliated with pop sockets in any way but if you go to popsockets.com you can customize your own one mm. very cool piece of kit it, uh, it looks really good but yeah because I've, I'm already so committed to wireless charging I'm not sure if I would be able to if I'd be able to buy into their uh, their products that's so, the trade-off yeah, yeah so it's it's one or the other Mm. Yeah, speaking of lo-fi sort of phone hacks, the other thing that I'm loving lately is I have this little sliding pouch on the back of my phone where I just put my FPOS card these days. Yeah, that's, that's changed your, my that's life. That's your whole wallet there, basically, Almost as much. inside your phone, isn't it? Yeah. 
and yeah. again wireless charging yeah, not get, so much get, gets in the way so either yeah. or either way it, I'm, right it's not so you've gone me. you've gone completely in the opposite direction yep. so how many um, FPOS credit card loyalty cards whatever two cards in there right now and, and that's, that's all, all you need. need and then everything else you can do <laughs> via an app I suppose because exactly. really it probably is only FPOS that um, or mostly that you need because you can well we, we have a bit of an issue in New, in New Zealand I guess with um, you know tap to pay type mechanisms yeah. and that a lot of places don't um, don't don't support them so uh, yeah um, now, what else have we got on the list? I mean, I think that you know, Surface was was the uh, was the big big thing, but there, of course, always is lot lots of other uh, lots of other things uh, going on. Um, PlayStation, uh, they have an update which. They're getting a bit more, I guess, uh, friendly with the outside world in terms of um, their ability to work with. Um, you can use basically use your DualShock uh, Four controllers over Bluetooth now uh, with Android, iOS, and Mac. So you know, make make better use of those controllers. And I've noticed there are varying scenarios under which you can use uh, PlayStation. And Xbox controllers, in, including uh, in the Tesla, where you can, I think you have to actually plug them in. Uh, but for all, well, some of the games, you oh, is can, that for uh, gaming? Or, or yeah, you can, yeah, you can, uh, you can jump in and uh, and do that. So the newest game that that came out uh, last week, you need to have a controller to play it because you can't use the the steering wheel or the touch screen. Uh, in the car to uh, right. to run it, but they make it very easy because you can use your uh, your existing controllers. Well, I had an interesting. Uh, I noticed something interesting recently. Um, I've always been a PC guy, so I don't have a PlayStation. Can't comment on it, but I just downloaded the new beta of Modern Warfare, mm. Call of Duty, and it's the first one that has cross-platform play. So you can PC can play with Xbox, can play with PlayStation, and you can use a controller or a mouse. And I, I, being a, a you know a Call of Duty fan, and call me basic, and call me an FPS nerd or whatever, yeah. <laughs> but um, it's actually really interesting, and it w- totally worked. And there was a lot of people saying, "Oh, that will never work because you know my, my mouse is so much more you know instant than yep. controller, or whatever." But it, it worked really well, and I was playing mm. the game with all sorts of people on all sorts of platforms. Yeah, it's great. Well, it's really pleasing to see that Sony has, you know, has sort of finally, you know, really, you know, come come on board fully for for that cross platform play because they were really holding out with PlayStation and uh, and 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 now that they're there, um, you've also got the um, the remote the remote play. Um, I think oh, their their party function they've you can now have um, sixteen um, participants in. Um, not an area I've, you know, I've really, uh, really dabbled in. Um, but with this latest update, you can use remote play now. And I remember when this first came out because, um, you know, Sony gave us one of their little gadgets you could plug into, uh, I think, another screen or an, or another uh, TV for sort of, you know, remote uh, remote play. Um, but now with remote play, you can run it on, you know, whole. A whole bunch of you know devices, Android um, five up. Uh, you can run it on iOS, and I think 
um, possibly possibly even Mac. Certainly, their their controllers now work you know working over Bluetooth on Android, iOS, and uh, and and Mac. So you know, Sony are, are starting to get a lot more friendly with other systems and recognizing that you know not everyone's going to have Sony everything from from start to finish. So I think Remote Play started out. Um, only working on Sony Xperia smartphones. Um, hmm. Not particularly helpful when even PlayStation owners, a pretty small percentage of them, uh, w- would have a Sony Xperia um, smartphone. And sure, some of them would, but you know, really you, you want to have as, as many people as possible playing yeah. these things. And, it, and it seems to me like it, it's only the customer that wins here and nobody loses by opening up and sort of playing more nicely together. Mm. And um, I think the the ability to add more people in your party up to sixteen is kind of a sign of the times. We're in this battle royale era now, right? Where mm-hmm. actually these games have fifty or a hundred, or even in some cases thousands, mm-hmm. and makes total sense. You might want to play with groups that are larger than four. I think was the previous limit, right? Yeah, yeah, or, or yeah, maybe it was eight. Um, but yeah, slowly these things things are improving. Um, now, I did want to talk a little bit about Apple because I know you know a lot of our listeners use uh, Apple devices, uh, especially the iPhones. You know, still incredibly popular uh, in New Zealand, and I know there's been you know varying jokes and uh, memes around the, the cameras on the the oh, back of the iPhone, and um, you know, and and I've made I've made a little bit of uh, fun of uh, just the look of the three cameras on the uh, the iPhone 11 Pro and you know I guess my my uh, immediate thoughts were that they look they're just trying to do something that looks different to uh, to everybody else's and you know and they've certainly done that um, but over the last few days I've had a chance to actually you know try out the iPhone 11 Pro and get a handle on well you know how how are they going uh, really when it comes to the Photography on the iPhone, you know, generally I've found it to be very, very good, but where Huawei, I think, just initially were the ones to really surprise us uh, was their night photography uh, with the Huawei P30 Pro. Uh, and we've certainly seen some really nice stuff from Samsung in terms of their uh, their camera side over the last few years. So we've you know we've had just photography getting better and better. We've had zoom. Now Apple have added that wide angle view, which is is very nicely done actually in the software. If you're in just taking a normal normal photo, uh, you know one one time zoom. Then you can you can see uh, in the viewfinder what you're going to get, but then it uses the wide angle um, to push out and show you a bit more of what you might get if you were to uh, flick to the wide the wide angle view, and uh, it's yeah it's just a very nice uh, you know easy to easy to use UI and that ability to flick between your different um, zooms. So I'm um, yeah I'm finding that that nice, but what really stood out to me was the low light photography and Saturday night I was down uh, Mount Maunganui and um, uh, my son Pablo and I went went down to the the hot pools for a bit of a soak and then uh, afterwards we were looking out and I was saying can you see Mount Maunganui it was just it was so dark from where we were in the in the car park of the hot pools I couldn't see even the shape of Mount Maunganui and so we went down to one beach and you could kind of see a bit of silhouette and so on um, but but not 
not really a whole lot. So I thought, well, let, let's see how the iPhone uh, let's see how the iPhone does at taking a photo of um, of Mount Monganui and you know what to me was sort of you know pitch um, pitch black. There was certainly uh, a bit of moon out. Um, and so, and 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 the stars were out. So I did one shot, sort of into the sky, and I'll um, I'll I'll put certainly put one of these up on my Instagram. Uh, those that aren't following me, Paul Spain uh, NZ. I'll put one or two of these up on Instagram. But I did one where I just sort of pointed it into the sky, you know, caught a little bit of of Mount Maunganui on the on the side, and um, the moon did sort of looked a bit more like a. a eight-pointed sort of star or, or something with the way that the lens picked it up. I don't know whether that was uh, that's just you know what it does, whether my lens wasn't clean enough, but you're also picking up stars. It does, it does sort of an exposure over three seconds and then stitches all the uh, all the images together and you end up with, with something that I thought was, uh, was pretty impressive. Josh, you're looking at it there. You're seeing a chunk of Mount Maunganui. In fact, I'll, I'll flick across to... Uh, I've got another one with another bit of the mount there. Um, uh, and you can, I mean, you can fully see the colours of, you know, the the grass on the mount and so on, which with your naked eye, you, well, certainly with my, my eyesight anyway, maybe uh, somebody with uh, with perfect vision would have, uh, would have seen a, a, a little bit more colour. But for me, it was kind of, you know, pretty much just sort of silhouette. And, uh, you know, the camera is, is doing a great job within a reasonably short space of time of pulling, uh, you know, pulling what is obviously there in terms of there is a bit enough light for some colour to come through but um, it's a little bit mind-blowing to me just to see how, how good it's able to It's really uh, quite capture. impressive the, 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 the colour that it pulls through not just the fact that you can see it but you could sort of see those colours coming through um, I was I was actually a, a diehard Pixel user so I had the first three Pixels I yep. didn't get the four because I believe they don't it's not sold here and supported here in New Zealand anymore so or at all um, but the Pixel night camera um, yep. action was really impressive to me too. And it, but I know that they were doing a lot of it in software. Is this a software or a hardware or a combination um, that is going on inside this new iPhone? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's still a combination. Um, Google Pixel Four, I think we're we're still it's very close to release, but we haven't quite quite got it. Uh, yeah, so it will be interesting to see what Google um, do. But yeah, I've, I've, I mean, I've looked at some, at some of the Google phones, but um, yeah, I've got a little bit frustrated with the fact that I mean, it's just not worth me putting a whole lot of effort into getting one when they're they're not so readily available in the in the local market. Um, the yeah, the the way they do it, I think it's a it's a combination by taking a whole bunch of photos over that short space of time. And then stitching them together, which is you know is very much software, and I think there must be some quite smart stuff that they're doing in the software, which you, you know I think that was what we saw from Huawei when they did it. It was a combination of of software and hardware, and when you talk Google Pixel. Um, you know that has a you know, had a single rear camera in it. This one's got three. Uh, the Google Pixel, I think, you know, was very much sort of you know leveraging AI, just some really good mm-hmm. smarts, and they sort of set that standard by which you know others have then um, you know followed on, and you know I think 
we're certainly seeing a bit of one-upmanship uh, here. And I think it might have been The Verge, you know, and their, their, their review around the new iPhone and, and being, uh, you know, very much impressed with it. And they, 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 I mean, they, tend, they tend to be, um, you know, with, with the Apple products. But, I, you know, I thought they were, they were, you know, pretty fair in terms of, um, you know, rating it as, as um, you know, right up the top there in, in terms of what can be done. Uh, on a smartphone camera wise obviously there are variations and one phone might be a little bit better at some stuff than other stuff Uh, but it was prior to the iPhone 11 Pro and the 11 Pro Max it really did feel as though Apple weren't at the forefront that you were paying top dollar for their device but not getting the best from a photography point of view and it and it sort of looks like to the to the most you know for the most scenarios they're uh, they're they're right you know they're right there now with something that's uh, uh, yeah pretty exceptional and look I'm sure there'll be people with other other devices who will, oh this one's better at at a zoom or a this or a that yeah absolutely the you know these devices aren't aren't um, you know just exactly the the same and they they do have their variances but you know, I don't think there'd be too many um, you know people buying an iPhone. 11 Pro and, and feeling as though they're disappointed with the camera, just disappointed so. with the cost. Well, yes, the uh, that you know that I guess um, is going to be uh, you know a challenge for Apple, which is why they've mm. got their iPhone 11 at a you know at a lower at a lower point price point with the dual cameras. In fact, coming down you know to the New Zealand market at fractionally less than the iPhone. Um, 10, what was it? 10, uh, the iPhone, yeah, 10R. Um, so What's the, the Pro RRP now that you're going to be? Oh, um, maybe it starts at about 1900 off off the top of my head. I mean, you've got mm. the variations of, of storage. Uh, this one's got a half terabyte in it, so it's more expensive. And then you've got the half terabyte Max, which I think goes up to 2849 in New Zealand. So, you know, at the, at the top end, if you want the, the biggest amount of storage and so on, then yeah, that's. That's that's a big investment. That's the same uh, price as a mid-range MacBook Pro, yeah. Right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, that, that's that's where we're at on the phone. Um, I've also been trying out the um, uh, the Apple Watch Series Five, and probably the the big change there is just the always on uh, screen, so it doesn't fall asleep. And I've been testing that. Um, Concurrently with trying out the new Fitbit uh, Versa Two, uh, the I mean the iPhone, I mean the sorry the uh, the Apple Apple Watch um, is is a very very nice device, um, and and I think very different from what Fitbit are doing. Um, the Fitbit device is great in terms of you know multi day battery life, being able to get that you know, around five day type uh, battery life. It doesn't have an always on screen. It is yeah, as I say, quite a different device. Uh, I, I, probably the standout thing for me is that it's got sleep tracking. But I've seen just some rumours over the last couple of days that uh, maybe Apple are on the verge of uh, of launching something in terms of sleep tracking as well. I guess maybe why they've held back on that because there are third-party sleep trackers is they rate it at an 18-hour battery life. So it's designed to get you through a full day but not to get you through a full day and a, and a full night. And in that case, when, when would you choose to charge it? Uh, so maybe they'll have a variation where the screen 
turns off while you're sleeping or you know something else and you know you're able to put it in a mode that will actually do um do sleep tracking so i see you're you're double watching right now paul yeah it's it's rather geeky isn't it (laughs) and i have to say if you if you didn't tell me they were different watches i would have said that's the same watch because they're strikingly similar in the way they look i'm rocking the slightly older fitbit uh i think this is called the ionic yeah, well, that's cool because it's got the um, GPS built in, which um, the the Versa um, doesn't. And I, you know, I think that's actually is a very nice device too. But, but I think it doesn't, you're right, the, the sleep... doesn't look like the, uh, the the Apple Watch, though, does it? No, this looks a little yeah. bit more distinct. But the sleep tracking is one of my favourite functions, and if that's mm. coming to Apple, that's that's pretty good to know. And I've mm. got quite interested in for some reason sleep because oh, yeah. all of a sudden now I know. I'm within, you know, this this uh, standard range, or I'm way out of the standard range in the amount of REM or deep sleep or light sleep I have. Yeah. And um, I, I actually downloaded a book about sleep the other day, so it's got me interested in sleep. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, it's um, it's one of those things that you know we probably haven't thought enough about at times, and mm. uh, yeah, sleep trackers sort of definitely definitely help you consider that a little bit more. And there's been more, I guess, discussion of, uh, about it. Certainly, that you know I've heard over the last few years in terms of just how important it is to overall health and mental performance mm. and so on. Um, now, with our new format, we're, not, we're probably going to dive in so much into each company on each show. And you know, I think it'll be great to um, you know probably have a, a, a bit of a, a drill in on a separate show and and learn a little bit more around uh, uh, progress at uh, at Flick. But um, you know, I am keen to to hear a uh, you know a little bit from you, Josh, in terms of um, you know what what what's happening at Flick. And maybe for those listeners who aren't uh, familiar, what is it about? Mm. You know, what's the standout thing with with Flick? Uh, that is different to uh, to other uh, uh, power retailers or or, or energy uh, retailers. Well, Flick's a little uh, a little power retail company at the moment, and what's different about it is Flick. We believe is a technology company, not a retail company. So we've really developed a platform. So it came out about a little bit over five years ago now. Um, that disrupted the market by being the only one that could offer essentially access to the wholesale spot market, which is where all of the power retailers buy their power and then go off and resell it. Uh, and so that was sort of the, the disruptive move a few years back. And um, and that's enabled because we have smart meters and <coughs> was it now 80% of New Zealand homes? It's, a, it's I mean, I think... It, smart meters in the vast majority. Yeah. And uh, so we now rate power every half hour. So, so you know, you're actually getting billed on half hourly increments versus, you know, historically, you know, you might have, you might remember your bill coming monthly. Some companies have even done, done it less frequently than that. Uh, but now we, we're getting to the point where you can really look at the the individual uh, you know variances throughout a day and and decide to buy and use power at the time when it's priced most appropriately. And particularly if you're a user that has say uh, a battery at home, you can charge the battery at the right time of day. If you have an EV, you can charge it off peak. Um, if you have a solar panel, you can uh, you can actually sell it back into the grid uh, and do that at you know assuming the sun's up at whatever the most appropriate time is. Right, so you pick um, a good time. Yeah. Uh, so it so it enables a, a new kind of um, you know the the way I'm starting to think about it is uh, an internet of energy or um, or just an internet for short. So this is a this is a concept that. Um, 
I don't know. I just like to think about as a as a as a thought experiment in a way. Um, and then Flix, you know, Flix been growing and um, is now, you know, a reasonably well known brand. I think most people have have heard of it when I mention it to them mm. these days. Um, we've got a great little team down there in Wellington that's that's doing good things, and uh, you know, really trying to be an advocate for the consumer. Uh, and you know, as I mentioned at the start of the show, you know, we have a, a mission which is reduce energy poverty, help the world, uh, you know, use cleaner energy in general by yep. um, making people aware of when the grid is overloaded and when it's generating uh, dirty energy. A lot of people don't realise that actually the majority of New Zealand's energy is is clean, is, is hydro. Uh, however, you know, at peak times, the coal gets turned the co- on. The coal can get fired up, can't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so, so you know, by actually allowing people to, to buy at different times and and consume, etc., uh, it's 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 actually good for everyone and the world. Yeah, uh, that, that, I think that's um, that's of increasing interest to people. Is you know, how do we minimise? Um, you know our 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 impact, um, and certainly uh, you know I think most Kiwis would uh, prefer to, uh, or you know I think a, a growing percentage of the population would prefer uh, to to avoid there being burning of coal going on within uh, this country for you know. I think you know probably a, 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 a multiple reasons. It's, so it's very very timely, right? You and know. You, you probably a lot of people will have seen the Gen Less ads that have just started going up, and obviously we've had climate strikes recently. It's it's, it's becoming very timely. So I feel like we've sort of hit the peak of a zeitgeist in a way with our offering. Um, but yeah, the other thing I guess that's going on is New Zealand's wholesale spot market has been topsy turvy and been inverted for actually quite a long time. So um, wholesale prices have been above retail prices for going on about a year now and um so you know there's there's issues going on there too and i don't know if you've uh been watching the news about the epr or the um you know essentially a a report that was um, uh, created by the government on how electricity is priced in new zealand but yeah yeah big shake up potentially on the near horizon and a lot of talk going on about that lately too Mm. Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see how uh, you know how that shakes out, and um, you know where where Flick lands. I, you know, I guess yeah, there, I guess there was there, there was probably some um, some challenging uh, times for Flick when when you know power prices really peaked, and those you know when when there are real extremes, and you're passing those on to a customer rather than the the typical scenario where that's all sort of smoothed out in terms of buying through. Uh, retail that's um, you know I think you know, a challenge and it that it seems as though Flick sort of responded by uh, you know offering a, a somewhat more traditional type of uh, type of plan into the into the market uh, as as well so you know it, it's good to good to see um, you know that it wasn't just a oh well this doesn't doesn't work for the market we'll close up shop but you yeah. seem to be uh, you know continuing on and 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 doing some pretty interesting things. And um, you know, I'm 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 very curious to hear a bit more about that. So we'll probably have to uh, tee up another episode to, to yeah. delve into a little bit more of the of the story of you know what's happened at, at Flick over the um, over the past few years. 
Um, it's certainly been some time since we had um, yeah, Steve O'Connor on on the show to sort of you know share some of those earlier insights. So um, there's, there's probably been quite a bit of progress since. Yeah, then. love to love to chat more about it sometime too. But uh, yeah, you, you know, interesting things on the horizon, and mm. like you say. It was necessary to launch a, a hedged product um, so that we had some stability in, in, or a stable option mm. um, for the market as well and more different types of options coming out soon as well. So, you know, mm. my product team down there is currently working on other ways to, to add value um, over and above just the electrons going into your power mm. socket and your wall, right? Mm. Because that's mm. ultimately the product, but we're looking for what other ways we can add value and, and if it comes down to, you know, better ways to consume at better times of day with better pieces of hardware that might be, you know, solar or battery-based or, um, you know, mobility. Um, you know, we're sort of working on all of those fronts and uh, there's there's some really interesting times ahead, I think, for Flick. Yeah. Oh, that, that's good. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you, Josh, for joining the show. Much appreciated. Thanks very much for having me, Paul. Now, um, for those that are wanting to get in touch with uh, New Zealand Tech Podcast, uh, you can now follow us on uh, on LinkedIn. So we'll be starting to uh, starting to post up uh, on LinkedIn uh, shortly. You can track us down also on uh, Twitter and Facebook. And uh, yeah, there'll be some bits and pieces that I'll be obviously sharing on my more uh, personal channels as as well. So um, you know, feel feel free to uh, you know to look out for for me, Paul. Spain on uh, on those uh, those places probably uh, yeah Instagram I've certainly shared uh, you know quite a few bits and pieces there um, over a little while uh, so uh, yeah feel free to uh, uh, to follow there Josh where where are people uh, best place to uh, to track you down or if they're uh, if they're thinking that uh, maybe Flick is the uh, uh, the cutting edge place that they'd like to be working and they want to get in touch on that front what, what's the best way to get in yeah, touch so, uh, Flick Electric on LinkedIn. Um, we are hiring. We have been hiring quite quickly recently, particularly in the tech sector. Um, we're a Ruby shop, so we're always looking for good Ruby people down there, um, good product people, uh, designers. So um, by all means, uh, reach out and find me on LinkedIn or just find us on flickelectric.co.nz awesome. or tweet me on at the Josh Webb. Excellent. All right. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. And uh, yeah, a special thanks to our partners for uh, for their great support uh, for the New Zealand Tech Podcast. So, yeah, special thanks going out to Vocus, Sumo Logic, Vodafone New Zealand, HP, and Spark NZ. Cheers. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.